Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Thank you for tuning us in on the Dr. Pat Show. It is so great to be connecting with all of you. I will get ready for some fun today. And what I mean by get ready for some fun today is that, you know, once upon a time, I took a look at my life, and as many of you have heard me talk about, and there was so much I didn't know. But the minute that I was put in the middle of a healing journey, there was so much I wanted to know. One of the things that intuitively was an enormous help for me was crystals. Everything from understanding what they are to one day at the end of an expo, finding an entire bag of crystals, trying to find out who owned them, couldn't find them, and literally found a home for them in several places. But when that happens, have you ever made sense of it? Have you ever thought about what is it that's being called to you or that you can use? And today, you know, one of the things I love is I love to bring people on whose entire life, or for the most part, is dedicated to the understanding use and much more than that, the decoding of crystals. And that's Nicholas Pearson joining me here today. You know, I'm so thrilled. And I've got a copy of his book, Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. But there's a couple of things that he does really interestingly and differently. And that is he talks about decoding crystals. Now, why is that something that's of interest to me? Well, I'll give you two reasons. One, is there's a three, four, fifth dimensional aspect to the way that he talks about it. But more importantly, it may explain what many of us know intuitively. Today, we're digging deep into the aspect of crystals that may or may not be something you're familiar with. But more importantly, how how have these crystals been used for hundreds, thousands of years for healing. Nicholas, it's great to have you here. Welcome back again. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat. It's always a pleasure. Uh, One of the things I love about you, and I, I don't think I overstated this when I said, look, this is your life. I mean, you are a premier expert not just in crystals, but in crystals and and healing and how to use crystals with things like Reiki or how to use crystals with maybe vibrational sound or my newest favorite thing I'm experimenting with, how do you use crystals with infused essential oils? How do you do that? But but in the end, there's so much to learn, isn't there? (laughs) There really is, yeah. So this is a book where you call it Crystal Basics, but I got to tell you, I I found it very interesting that your description of basics to me is literally creating a book where you've taken something that some people feel is so complex, kind of like astrology, and you've broken it down for us. Why was why is this presentation so important today in the world we live in, especially around healing? You know, when it when it comes to the idea of working with crystals, there there is a lot of literature that's out there, and and we can be honest, not all of it is is very substantive. So um, there are so many crystal books that will give you just an A to Z of what crystals do. There are crystal books that are full of hands-on techniques. There are going to be cross references you can find, but seldom do you find all of that in one place. 
where everything is kind of given equal importance. And you, you rarely find a book that goes in depth in why crystals do what they do, not just the what of it, but, but how do we make that happen? What is responsible for those changes in our life? So I wanted to start with building a foundation on that how and why that our whole practice can be centered around. And, and that's why this is my, my Crystal Basics book. You know, let's talk about the, the elements that you really call to the forefront, energetic healing and spiritual power. Let's break those down for people that might be listening to the show today and certainly have heard about energy healing and spirituality, but not quite in the same context as as crystals. Give us a little backdrop for this. Give us a little history lesson on this. Yeah, so I mean... Um if we want to know more about like the history of crystal healing at large, it's probably like a whole other conversation. But, you know, as far as kind of the, the background that, that brought me to this point, I have a profound love for science. Um, and I think that although the energy that we tend to work with in the spiritual world is the woo-woo kind of energy, energy with a capital mm-hmm. E, it's, it's energy we can't quite measure. It still has to be subject to a lot of the same rules, the same laws that govern the energies we do know how to measure. In, in a science world. So I start with the scientific piece by understanding how and what crystals are, how they come into being, as well as learning what, what the physics of energy fields are. If we start from that perspective, then we kind of get a better understanding of what the mechanisms are that are responsible for crystals providing healing or um, you know, catalyzing our spiritual growth. So um, that's really where it all kind of starts. And once we have a firm idea of how and why crystals do what they do, in, in a physical and metaphysical kind of sense, then we can get into the hands-on practice to engage with the crystals for healing, for spiritual growth. You know, I want to ask you this question. I, it, it's a question. It just came in. There must be somebody that saw either the cover of the book or something we have up. Question that comes in a lot, Nicholas. And I'm sure you've gotten this question probably like a gazillion trillion times. Are you ready for it? Here it is. I am. This is it. Mind blowing. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> is there a difference between crystals that are polished and crystals that are not? Yes. And are you ready oh. for the answer? Oh my God! Wait, wait, Benny, you got any drum roll here? I, <laughs> I, I, I am ready because that is a question that I've heard multiple answers about. And then when I saw the cover of your book, I said, aha, okay, what's, what's the answer? Go for it, go for it. The answer is some have been polished and some have not. That's it. Um, when it comes to the energy of crystals, <laughs> the, the, the fundamental energy is defined by things that happen on a micro level. So no amount of polishing, grinding, cutting, faceting, smoothing out the surface changes its, its composition, its chemical makeup the formation process that brought it to life, so to speak. So the fundamental energy doesn't change by its exterior shape. However, we could say that maybe the the shape of the crystal might affect how the energy is distributed. You know, something with a point on it, a terminated crystal, is very directional. Something like a sphere softly radiates in all directions. You have something shaped like a pyramid, it's going to have a more anchoring and uplifting effect. But the fundamental energy of the stone is the same if all other parameters are, are equal. You have a, a sphere, a pyramid, a tumbled stone, a rough hunk, and a, a, a single point, and they're all the same quality, roughly the same mass, the same clarity, then everything else about them is the mm-hmm. same. It is the same energy from piece to piece. You know, let's t- let's just c- cut right to the chase on this, though. One of the things you come out of the gate, my favorite expression is everything is energy. I think it is one of the most powerful, let's just call it, uh, let's call it a concept for the moment, uh, power, m- most powerful concept we have, least understood and rarely used to our advantage. And yet out of the gate, it is so important that you bring that to the forefront. I mean, you could have started this book with pretty much anything. Right. Outside of the fact you give us the idea of crystals, where they come from, uh, et cetera. But you decided I am going to come out of here. And even though crystals have skyrocketed, we got to have a conversation about energy. Really? And I thought, okay, 
let's talk about energy. Let's talk about the power of this from a uh, very fundamental level to really address the issue of its power. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about crystal energy without contextualizing what energy is, you know. Um, Energy is something that I think we kind of take for granted. We don't really stop to to pull it apart, but if we if we want to understand what the influences of our crystals are, we have to understand what energy as a whole is. We have to start looking at how we map that out. You know, energy is the 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 input essentially required to make work happen in the universe. Um, whether that's sunlight or heat or the metabolic fuel inside our body, whether it is the the capital E kind of woo woo energy, that's that's really what we have to get started with. And if we don't have a firm understanding of the difference between, like, for example, the frequency, the amplitude, the wavelength, um, you know, we, we seem to, to use a lot of those terms interchangeably in the metaphysical world. They have very yeah. precise definitions. Um, then we can't really um, have a, a, a good idea of what the mechanisms are at play. So, you know, I start by defining energy, and that gives us the context, the platform we need to understand crystal energy more specifically. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why why this is an important place to start. Because the thing that I love, my favorite new word right now, just across the board, right? I, I'm starting to use it myself in my own platform and things that I look at. It is the word decoding. And I love this word. I love it for a lot of reasons. But when it comes to crystals, decoding crystals... The question is, why? Why are we wondering about stones? Why do we ask ourselves, hmm, drawn to this, not sure what it does? When we come back, Nicholas is going to talk about what it is about decoding crystals that provides a direct pathway to the systems, the seven crystal systems. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. How do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific will take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You, you know, I love what we're talking about. Nicholas Pearson joining me here today. His latest book is Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. But one of the things he does coming out of the gate we're going to talk about is an understanding and having an understanding of crystals, even without becoming an expert. And what I mean by that is, you know how you might be drawn to something, maybe the way it looks, maybe the way it feels, maybe none of that. And you don't quite know why. Um, we're going to get to decoding in a minute. But before we do, Nicholas, let's tell folks how they can get a copy of the book, when they can get a copy of the book, and how do they find out more about you? Yeah, so if you're looking for a copy of Crystal Basics, it's available everywhere books are sold. So please go find your local independent bookstores and support them. And if not, you know, certainly your, your local Barnes & Noble or Books A Million um, will have it. You can definitely get it online. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about me or reach out to me directly, my website is www.theluminouspearl.com. So I want to talk about decoding, but I want to share a little story with you. Um, and it really is a story about my producer and my friend Linda, but it's also a story about a particular, a particular stone. Um, strangely enough, in the Pacific Northwest, now I didn't know that this is what this was. You know, a lot of our areas, especially around Discovery Bay, you know, bodies of water, uh, Crescent Lake here, there is a stone agate, I guess it's called, uh, that seems to be in abundance. Now, I have one of these stones, and it's small, but it's green. And I believe in your book, you call it moss, moss agate. But here's a fascinating story. You know, we were in Port Townsend at a friend of mine's house, and Linda comes across a stone. Now, the stone is literally, wow, like put about five footballs together if you could do that, right? You know, or like put three footballs and then three other footballs underneath them. This is the size of this thing. And Linda was drawn to it immediately and wanted to give it to my friend Pat, who lived in Port Townsend. It was this beautiful, beautiful green. Right. I mean, you can only imagine how it looked when the water was on it. Right. It was stunning. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I know what it is now. And she would not quit until all of us literally dragged this beautiful stone. It was gigantic. None of us could lift it. So that's how heavy it was. Dragged it from the beach where we were to Pat's house. And I just thought for myself, many people would walk away from, from that task, but there had to be something about that stone that she was drawn to. To this day, up until I read your book about decoding, I didn't quite understand it. So having said that as a backdrop, how does decoding help explain something that none of us can even explain today to Linda? She actually well, wanted to take the stone home. She just texted me. She said, I actually wanted to take the stone home back to New Jersey, but it was too heavy. So we ended up bringing it to Pat's house. Fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, the process of decoding crystals that's outlined in the book is learning how to use the, the clues given by its formation process, its crystal system, and its chemical composition to uncover what energy a crystal has. That's really what we're talking about when we talk about decoding crystals. So many times in my career, I've been asked, well, how do we know what energy the crystal has? And, you know, it boils down to those, those fundamental principles. We can, we can measure its crystal system, its hardness. We can even look at clues like color and, you know, growth habits. Um, all those things together become kind of like signatures, clues that lead us to the energy of a crystal. And so in the book, in Chapter 2, Decoding Crystals, I kind of walk you through the process of figuring that out with each of your stones. So when I think about this, and then I, lock, I looked this up, of course, right? I looked it up, and I was struck by the shape 
in your book for this this moss agate crystal, right? The stone. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the one that Linda found was as as big as I'm talking about. We could not lift it. But it was almost the same shape as the one in your book. And, you know, part of this is each of us seems to get drawn to one thing or the other. Are we drawn to something because somehow it knows and we know there is a a, a void in my life that some that somehow needs to be filled or adjusted meaning if I am not physically well something in that stone could help me sometimes that is the answer yeah I, I like to make the analogy of it being similar to um, cravings that we have for food sometimes when we're depleted in a specific nutrient then we might have cravings for foods that are rich in it. Well, energetically, we have cravings for energies that we might be lacking or in need of to get us through whatever we're going through. So sometimes that's the reason we're drawn to stones. Um, but there, there are so many other reasons we can be attracted to them as well. Um, in the book, you talk about crystal grids and numerology and geometry of crystal grids. I'm fascinated by this because I think the world is fascinated now by sacred geometry. And don't crystals represent some of the earliest forms that I can think of where sacred geometry came into play? I, I think if we're looking at the, the history of the planet itself and certainly... Mm -hmm. When, when we look at crystal lattices, they are the first expressions of geometry that we've got in, you know, solid substance. As far as, like, the human relationship, the human understanding of sacred geometry, it probably starts with things like plants and flowers and leaf forms first, and then we, we go on to study the geometry of, of other things in nature. Mm. Um, let me ask you this question. In writing the book, there's so much in here, and, and thank you so much for including pictures. I mean, I, I think that, you know, for a lot of people that this is an introduction, you take us on a journey where this is how you can use crystals, everything from how to lay them out, how to use them in a grid, how to lay them out for healing, what to do to clean them, what the spiritual practices are and so forth. I wanted to ask you, have you used these, have you used crystals, have you used some of these layouts for healing beyond the individual, for example, healing the planet? Yeah, in, in a lot of the workshops and the other group events that I do, we include crystal grid work to work on a, a bigger scale. You know, you've got a, a big group of people there, so it's, it's hard to just, you know, single out one person who's going to receive the benefit. That would be so unfair in a group setting. And then on top of that, you know, when we combine our consciousness, it's similar to the, the effect that we have when we combine crystals to make a grid. Because we ourselves are crystalline and we form a grid in, in one way or another. So I love to use that opportunity of having like-minded people who are bringing their own crystals to work with mine or the crystals at the venue where I'm teaching um, to make magic happen on a much bigger scale. What are some of the, the questions that you get from people about crystals that literally led you to writing the book the way you did? You know, first and foremost, how do I get started? <laughs> what do I do with my crystals? And so um, how do we know what energies crystals have? How do I cleanse them safely? Um, what do you mean program? So, you know, all these kinds of like really fundamental questions that I, I think are like everyday practice for me. They're just part and parcel of my everyday life. I wanted to put in a format that really explored things in depth. There are so many beginner's books that, you know, give you a sentence or two about a topic and then move on to the next. And I really wanted to give people the why and the how and the background behind things because, um, you know, it's the difference between someone handing you a recipe and someone teaching you how to cook. And I, yeah. I really wanted to give people the, the, the meatier stuff so they could learn how to do it for themselves. The, the goal wasn't just to walk people through the process of working with their crystals, but to teach them to think about how to approach crystals in a more holistic way. So they can start to make their own recipes, if you will. 
Mm. Wow, I love it. I want to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the stones. Because what I find in, in the book that's really interesting is there, it, it isn't just a picture of a stone and a description of it and what it does. There are some very interesting things that Nicholas lays out for us. Some of the chemical components, you know, whether or not the stone is, you know, on the high end of a hardness scale. Uh, what the dimensions of it is, what chakras does it work on. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some of these stones in particular. And if you all have a question about crystals in general, maybe something that you need help with, this is the time to do it. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Give us a call. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, how's it going? If it's stressful or just plain exhausting, New Light Living is here to ask, is this the way you want to live? Join me, your intuitive spiritual life coach and host, Arika Sullivan, every week on New Light Living. Discover the power of creative tools to start living every day as your ideal dream day. See your life in the new light. To learn more, visit newlightliving.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. Are you willing to challenge everything you've been taught about life and death? Join Angie Corbett Kuyper on her hit show, Beyond Grief Radio. Redefining loss and grief as Angie shares through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that creating anything is possible, even in death. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information or to listen to past shows, visit AngieCorbettKuyper.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to TransformationRadio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Break your snooze button habits for good with the Soul Stretching Sisters on the I Am Power Hour with me, Terry J. Walker. And me, Dr. Pat, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Pump up your spiritual muscle as we share stories. Aspire higher. And live a whole lot larger. To help you unleash your powered up. Pumped up. I am soul stretching success. Anything can happen when we take to the airways. And all things become possible during the I Am Power Hour. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We're taking your calls, 1-800-930-2819. Questions, comments, stories, share your stories. We'd love to hear from you. Nicholas Pearson is in the house. We're thrilled to have him here with his new book, Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. Um, one of the things I said before the break, Nicholas, was I love the way you describe these. And what I meant by that is you're not just saying, here's the gemstone, this is what I know about it. You're literally breaking it down. And I would love to be able to go through this with you, at least by using a, a couple of the stones in the book and, you know, go through your description of them. Now, I will say I did get a message uh, on a story somebody wanted me to tell you about the fact that the other day 
her computer would not work and did not work pretty much. And all of a sudden she was asked to put a stone, a, a, uh, a topaz stone on her computer to get it working. And she put the stone on her computer and the computer did not work before that. And then it did. And for somebody like this, who she says is a skeptic pretty much, she says, look, you need to tell them about that story. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, when your computer doesn't work and it looks like you're getting a blue screen and somebody says, put a gemstone on it and you're pretty much at your wits end and you do and it comes on, well, there you go, right? Sure, yeah. I love hearing all those little anecdotal stories that illustrate how people have experienced crystal energy in their life. But what do you make of them saying to her, put, put, I, I, I don't know that they said to put topaz. I think they said, put anything that's close to you on it. But what is it about topaz? I, I don't know if it was topaz. I think it, I th I actually think it was not topaz. I think it was uh, smoky quartz is what I think it was. But what do I mean, you make of that? Yeah. I mean, crystals at the most fundamental level, their their goal is to make things more coherent, to get all the sort of interrelated parts of the system marching in step, working harmoniously. So I think at the most basic level, anything crystalline is going to help us with the organization of something's energy field. So, you know, maybe by making that change in the energy field of all the parts and pieces of the computer, because even mm -hmm. though it's inert material, um, it produces an electromagnetic field just like you and I do. Living systems, non-living systems, if it's made out of particles, which means everything, it's producing that electromagnetic field. When we work with any crystal, um, the, the precise order, the arrangement of its, of its um, atoms and ions and molecules, producing this very geometrically sound energy field that entrains us, that teaches us how to be similarly as energetically sound. And, you know, maybe the, the same mechanism is responsible for your friend's um, results with the computer. Well, and, you know, that's just one story. I'm sure you hear stories all the time. I, I want to ask you, I am noticing certain gemstones show up uh, in the world right now that I've never seen before. And what I mean by show up, I mean show up on in in your regular stores that you would go to, not not generally stores that are just specifically for people that sell gemstones and other things like that. But I'm really looking at it. And I, I had a I, I just wanted to ask you, I I think one of the things that I see showing up a lot um is it's a white gemstone. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. I don't think it's selenite, but it's a white gemstone. People are using it, cutting it out for candles. Um, what do you make of something like that where a stone will emerge and it starts to become part of a larger population of people? It's almost as if it comes out of nowhere. What are we, what are we to know about something like that? You know, I think the, the rise of popularity in anything means that it spills over beyond the sort of niche group that might have guarded or planted the seed of that interest. So, you know, right now there's this huge upsurge in the popularity of crystals and gemstones as items in decor and fashion. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see a lot of items made from inexpensive stones that are abundant um, that they can afford to do this with. Um, so, you know, we're seeing a lot of things like gypsum or selenite, a lot of things in the quartz and agate family, um, a lot of materials like the zeolites and apophyllites that come out of India because there's such a, a big supply of those right now. Um, lots of good hard stone, things like serpentine and jaspers and anything else that's durable enough to be carved into objects of art, just kind of, I won't say flooding the market, but, but making their way deeper and deeper through the market um, to reach sort of all strata of society. So that way it's not just the woo-woo crowd that's into them. And I think it's beautiful because, um, you know, those crystals ending up in someone's home, 
that really has no appreciation for crystal energy is still benefiting on some level by having that beautiful gemstone in their lives. Um, and I think it's really just a sign of the times. It's a, a mix of the popularity of crystal energy and um, integrative medicine, but it's also kind of like maybe a, a signal from the universe that human consciousness is is ready, willing, and able to receive the help of the mineral kingdom and from all kingdoms to help shift consciousness on a bigger bigger scale than ever before. Mm. I'm so thrilled that we're actually talking about this. And Benny, what I'd love to do is I'd love to, let me just make sure here. um, uh, I want to bring in Charlene if we can. I think she's holding. Why don't we bring her in? Let's get her question on here. Charlene, welcome to the show. What's up? Thank you. Hi, Charlene. Hi, hi, Dr. Pat. Hi, Nicholas. Um, I'm I was drawn to a beautiful, uh, absolutely gorgeous at a rock and gem show, um, amethyst geode. And it, when I walked in, it from a distance, you know how it's hollowed out with with the amethyst. Um, it looked like Buddha, the shape of Buddha, the shape of of um, the shape of someone meditating so and it was almost like it was the showstopper there Mm -hmm. and i walked up to it and i said it's sold and it's been with me ever since and um wherever i've moved and it's brought a very peaceful energy into my home i just it just feels like um it, it doesn't matter who enters my home; they feel that that peaceful energy. Wow! That's yeah, beautiful. it's it's yeah, it's just it's so beautiful, and I just knew there wasn't even a question. I didn't even they marked it down actually for me because it was the last day of the show, but um, I didn't care what it cost; it was coming home with me. <laughs> so with the amethyst. Um, what are you working with? What type of energy exactly are you working with? Yeah, great question. Oh, amethyst is an old favorite, and one of those stones has been popular for eons. Um, amethyst is one of those stones that is um, sort of a reminder or a signal of that innate divine connection that we have at all times. So it mm-hmm. opens the doorway to things like intuition. It supports whatever our, our spiritual practice might look like. So. Um, it might support um, meditation or divination or a healing practice because it works to help us kind of see that every part of the universe is really a manifestation of that innate divinity. And so when we mm-hmm. peel back the veil just a little bit, we can find this immense peace that comes from surrendering to that divine connection. So one of the side effects is it's great for finding the obstacles between mm-hmm. here and, and that spiritual realm learning how to transmute, transform, or transcend those obstacles. So it's got this kind of purifying effect on our energy field, and, and furthermore, it brings us to a place of serenity. Um, the, a, a stone that is so kind of deeply enmeshed with human history that in, in my first book, The Seven Archetypal Stones, it gets a whole chapter. You can go real deep, um, pages upon pages upon pages, just devoted to amethyst in that book. Oh, I'm going to have to get that book. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, if you stay on the line, we're actually going to give you a copy of this book that we're talking about today. Oh, you're kidding. No, if you I stay did, on, oh, we'll get that so information. Much. Yeah, we'll make oh. sure Benny gives that to you. Yeah, thank you thank so much you. for that. Um, thank you. I know what it's like. Yeah, I know what it's like to be drawn to something like that. Um, but Charlene, thank you so much for, for calling in today. Thank you so much for your show, Dr. Pat. And thank you, Nicholas. My pleasure, Charlene. Thank you. Um, Nicholas, I want to keep going here for a little bit because there are a couple things we didn't touch upon that I want to get to. I want to talk about the, the aspect of the crystal elixir. This is something that I have a number of friends that do this, don't even know they're doing it. But the way that you've outlined in, in, this in the book, I think this is super important to talk about for a little bit. Describe to people what crystal elixirs are, and let's give an example of what one could do. Sure. A crystal elixir is any sort 
of um, water that we have imprinted or somehow altered by exposing it to a crystal's energy. So we might do that with a direct infusion, placing a stone in our water. We might do it indirectly because, let's face it, not every stone is safe to consume because we always want to exercise caution. Um, here's a, a really great example of how I've used crystal elixirs in my life. One of my favorite recipes is very simple. It's just aquamarine plus water. Aqua is this immense purifier at the spiritual level. There are uh, a lot of people who've worked with aquamarine um, crystal elixirs for physical detox as well. And certainly I'm not, not making any sort of medical claims around that, but um, the, the results are amazing. It's something that can help with um, like skin and complexion. And I find that when I make sure to have aquamarine infused water on a regular basis, my, my skin is, is brighter and clearer. Um, and I just feel so much more connected to the universe at large. So there's, there's more than just the, the measurable things we can see. And there's this magical connection we get when we marry gemstones and water that helps us on a much bigger picture. Um, and, you know, you actually go through and give us a, a number of different processes for creating our own either individual or combinations. Um, and, you know, in the book, certainly you lay out what the, the particular gemstone is and take us through, you know, this is how you can use a, do a blend or maybe this is how you can use a single and create a single elixir. One of the other things you do, and I really want to get to this too, is you get to, you talk about um, the idea of laying crystals out for healing. Um, and in the book, you've given us several layouts for healing. I, I think it's important to talk about this because people that are just beginning, this book gives them a really step-by-step, -step, this is how you get started but it doesn't mean it's the end-all way to do it for people that seem to be intuitive, right? Yeah, I, I really want people to approach it like they would the recipes in a recipe book. Um, it's great to start something out according to the directions that are in there, but as you build proficiency, and especially as you develop a personal relationship with the stones in your collection, you're going to find that there are plenty of other ways that you can experiment and, and create some lasting change. So, um, you know, don't make substitutions for no reason at all. Um, there's, a, there's a reason every stone is in every position in these diagrams. But when you understand how they work, when you've got a, a good feeling for the stones in your own toolbox, you can really branch out and create some beautiful um, layouts or grids or elixirs um, by trusting that intuition. You know, the last thing I want to mention, and I, of course, I'd love to get to you to give out your information again, is the relationship between gemstones and the chakra system. Um, I, I think a lot of people have a sense that there is a very direct relationship, but your book makes it very clear um, in so many ways how to how to match this up. Yeah, so, um, you know, you know, first and foremost, our, our idea of the chakras in the Western world and the sort of modern metaphysical movement is maybe not so ancient and mystical as we'd like to believe it is, the, the you know, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet um, model that we use going from root to crown has only been in use since about 1977, which is decidedly more ancient and mystical than, you know, something that happened last week. It's still something that's only been in use for a handful of decades. So the relationship of, of working with crystals for spiritual practice may go back as far as half a million years. So um, we, could, we could engage in something that has a 42-year-long history or something that is much older than that. Um, the other thing to consider is that when we try to match crystals to chakras based on color, color is only about 1 14th, maybe 7% of a crystal's total energy field. So um, we're, we're missing out on 93% of the information and energy that it's offering. So in the book, I, I really help you find other ways that we can look at how crystals correspond to the chakra system. And really, what's more important than saying a crystal works on this chakra and this chakra only or these chakras as a group is to think about the theme. What is the healing that your heart center needs? Is it forgiveness? Is it maybe, um, you know, looking at how you can generate more love in your life? Then you can pick a crystal that corresponds with that theme and place it on that center irrespective of whether or not it is the right color, so to speak. 
Um, so that's really what I'm trying to get people to start thinking about when they do their layouts. I think the, the color crystal correspondence model works really well at the entry level, um, and it's a model that works, but it works on such a tiny component of what crystal energy is. When we open things up, we can find so much more as well. Mm. I, I want to talk about, you know, I know we've got a few minutes left. Um, do you have any favorites? And when I, when I say favorites, I mean today. Meaning that, you know, probably things change, but is there a favorite of yours, you know, and what I mean by that is there is a stone that I have that is my go to and I don't know why I go to it. I like it. It's got to be out in the forefront for me. I, I don't know much about it, but what are on your list of top five right now? Well. One of my perennial favorites is a stone called Peter's Ice, like a, a distant cousin of Tiger's Eye, but it's, it's multicolored and it has these beautiful swirls and flashes of color throughout. It's got a very stormy or tempestuous energy, but it also kind of looks like swirling storm clouds, so it's sometimes called the Tempest Stone. Um, it helps us kind of weather the storms in life, and it's always been a trusted ally for me, but it, it can initiate some pretty big change if we're not prepared and, and well-grounded. Um, another stone that has become like an everyday ally for me, is rhodonite. And I began using rhodonite really a lot more in a sort of clinical or therapeutic context for my uh, mental and emotional well-being. And um, I, it took me a long time to realize that it wasn't just a good stone for me, but had grown to be one of my favorites. And I was so excited when I saw the cover of this book, Crystal Basics, um, for the first time. Uh, my publisher had placed not just my favorite stone, but my favorite specimen of my favorite stone. And the, the bottom line, the second from the left, is a beautiful, translucent, ruby red piece of rhodonite. And this gem quality rhodonite is so hard to come by, but that is actually one of my favorite specimens in my entire collection. My publisher didn't know this and plopped it right there. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's on my list of favorites. Um, some things that I've written about a whole lot, like aquamarine and lapis and obsidian, have been trusted allies of mine for a long time. Um, there are tools that I work with quite a lot, um, but lately I find myself really drawn to emeralds. Unfortunately for my bank account, really good emeralds are hard to come by and oh, they're yeah. very expensive. Um, yep. So those, those are kind of aspirational stones to get something that's perfect in gem quality. And, and for now, I'm kind of working on that medium quality <laughs> subset <laughs> of emeralds. Um, but emerald has this uh, deep relationship to the archetype and the mysteries surrounding the role of the light bearer and bringing the light of consciousness to the dark places for healing to happen. It's about bringing light to the world to sort of guide our consciousness, guide our souls through their evolutionary arc. And um, working with Emerald has been really expansive to the heart center, but it also kind of takes us to the place where maybe we're the most resistant to healing, to look at where we might need to turn our own love, our own heart inward to to make that healing happen from within. Yeah. Isn't it funny? I live in the place that they call the Emerald City uh, here. Um, and certainly the metaphor for that comes from the Wizard of Oz. I mean, there's this, there's this natural sense that we know that the relationship of Emerald, even if you don't know a lot about the stone, that the relationship of it is a level of insight and clarity, you know, this, this, this genius part of ourselves that gets brought to the forefront. You're right about it. It, it is a really interesting stone these days, and the price of it has, <laughs> has gone up <laughs> quite a bit. Um, still trying to get some help from my cousins who live abroad on that one. Um, but for the most part, you know, what we're talking about and what you really show clearly in the book is that just about every stone, at least what you've outlined so far in the book, just about every stone has a very specific energy that comes with it and comes from it. And I think that if people knew more about this and really looked at what you have in your book, um, one, it would first of all explain why folks are drawn to certain things. But the other part of it is it will enable people to look at these stones differently now, you know, to look at them and be able to say, well, wait a minute, that I could use for this. I might use this particular stone 
for physical healing, this one for emotional healing, uh, this one to heal the planet, right? Uh, this is a way that I could lay them out. Let me ask you this question. I know our time is, is, is coming to an end. Um, the other day, I noticed how drawn a group of youngsters were to Moonstone. Now, <clears throat> these, are, these are young kids, let's say 12-ish, but Moonstone was becoming a thing for them. And then I looked it up. And I had a very vague sense of, of what this was about. And I wanted you to talk to that because, see, this generation has been called, what have they been called? The crystal children, I, whatever the names are for them, it's beyond the crystal generation. These are your 12-year-olds now. What do you make of them all being drawn to Moonstone? I think Moonstone and the sort of family to which it belongs is so enchanting as a whole. Um, you know, when you look at those beautiful flashes of light that are in there, they, they, they really draw us in. Moonstone is a stone that has a very motherly and maternal kind of energy. It's here to help us kind of evolve toward our relationship with the divine feminine as well. And I think we see with uh, younger generations that um, a lot of the, the sort of malign that the divine feminine has faced is being transcended and healed so that could be part of it i also think because it's so motherly and nourishing that when we're young we we naturally want to revel in those sorts of energies so that could be you know part of the reason as well but we're all drawn to stones for our own individual reasons and certainly without being there to participate in in that experience with them i'd I'd hesitate to say for sure what it must have been yeah Um, I was just in awe by it. I mean, if you, what is the expression, Nicholas? They say you had to be there, and if totally. you, if you if you kind of see these kids talk about Moonstone, or do it in a way that as adults we would talk about Moonstone, you know, there'd be something about it which is easily easily for us to connect with. What I also loved about it was, you know, the the parent didn't say to the child oh, what are you guys talking about? You know what I mean? So there's this new level of consciousness, I think, that has shown up here about gemstones. And I think part of part of this is the work that you do to educate people. So I want to thank you for that, Nicholas. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me back on the show. It's, it's a privilege. Yeah, so much, actually so much more to talk about. But before we go, please tell folks how to get a copy of the book and also your website. Sure, the, the book is available everywhere that books are sold. So hop on Amazon, visit my publisher's website at innertraditions.com. Please go visit your, your local independent bookstores. Um, if you do get a copy of the book and you love it, um, reviews on Amazon and Goodreads, are, they, they make a huge difference for authors. So you know if you feel motivated, give it some stars. Um, and if you'd like to reach out to me, my website is uh, theluminouspearl.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. I am Dr. Pat, and it's been great having all of you tune us in and turn us on. Stay tuned as we have another hour coming up on Transformation Talk Radio as well. We'll see you in a minute. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.